Arizona Sports. The home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Wolf and Luke talk Suns Clippers. Now. All right, hour number two of the show, live from the Auction Community Studios. And Wolf, we got Bismack joining the show in about 15 about minutes. Yeah, busy. Bismack Biombo calling in on the Arizona Sports Line at 11.15 today. So be just ready for that. amazing just watching him play what a certain amount of knowledge and never-say-die attitude will do for a young man. <laughs> he has been a solid addition to this team ever since he got here. Like yes, he, he just, has. He gives them a, 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 like just the right dynamic uh, for what they're asking from him. Right now, we'll just focus on, though, the game last night and... Before we get into whatever happened in that fourth quarter, I'm just going to say this, Wolf. They, the Clippers may end up being the best team for the Suns to have played in the first round. Not in the sense, oh yeah, they beat them, so they must be. But in, in the way it, this could potentially unfold for the Suns now going forward. Because the Clippers would not go away. So they gave the Suns a fight. But the Suns also won the series in five games. You know what I mean? It, it, was, it was a challenge in... Some will say it was more of a challenge than it should have been because the games were so close and they didn't have Kawhi for a couple of those games or Paul George for any of them. But moving forward, which is really all that matters at this point, you got a team that didn't just roll over and quit, which is what we all said on the show yesterday. No matter what, the Clippers aren't going to roll over and quit. And they they certainly uh, made that evident when they were down by close to 20 in the fourth quarter and came all the way back. Um, So they made the Suns fight. But then they also ultimately went away. My favorite part of this game, Game 5, of course, was the Suns winning and putting the Clippers out of their misery, so to speak. But my second favorite part of this game was watching the Clippers come back in this game. That's how much I respect this. It it, it reminds me of so many guys that would quit, so many guys that would get down by two touchdowns, three touchdowns, whenever it actually happened, whether it was the third quarter or the fourth quarter, whatever it was, they'd get down and suddenly you could see, hoist the colors, and the colors were white. It just bothered me so much. It wasn't everybody, Basin Onions, it wasn't by any stretch of the imagination. But they were guys that most people looked at and said, well, uh, that's a good player right there. That's a good player. And yet they would hoist the flag from time to time and they'd quit. Um, Watching the Clippers play and watching them ball and refuse to quit, even though they were up against it. And we all know it, even though I believe the Suns thought we've just got to get some space. We get a little space here. We we separate ourselves from the Clippers. They're going to go bye bye. They're going to pack it up and move to a new river. And that was not the case. It was not the case. They came roaring back in this game and would not quit. It says so much about those guys. That was my second favorite part of last night. Just watching what a human being can do and a collection of human beings can do when you never, ever say die or raise that white flag. When it was one sixteen ninety seven in the fourth quarter, you were thinking, okay, I mean, this is basically at this point... Booker's running around hitting ridiculous shots. You're wondering if if, if he's going to be in there long enough to make a push for 50, even the way he was playing, or or is the game over, right? You're up by 19 in the fourth quarter. The Clippers should, and I mean should in, in a bad way, but most would kind of, okay, we gave it a try. 
You know, we pushed this. We pushed this team in each of the first four games. We don't have Kawhi. We don't have Paul George. They have Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. Russell Westbrook's three of eighteen tonight. <laughs> what are we supposed to do? They had every reason. Yeah, to just kind of go quietly at that point. You pushed it to the fourth quarter, and instead, it got to at one point it was one twenty to uh, to one hundred four Suns with about eight minutes left, yeah. and they came all the way back. The Clippers came, came all, all the way, way back, back, and then Russell Westbrook missed another shot, a layup this time. <laughs> uh, so for him to, to you want to pile on Russell well, a no, bit right but, there. But, I mean, he, he was kind of the, the heart and soul of that team for this series. And, and even when he couldn't make a shot, the rest of the team didn't give up. You know yeah. what I mean? Hey, let the truth reign. Absolutely. You, he had a rough game. There's no doubt about it. But just thinking about it, the Clippers up 70 to 61. The, the Suns gave up 70 first half points. Yeah. <laughs> to, to a team that didn't have Kawhi Leonard or Paul George, seventy. Uh, man, that was that. That was an eye opener. That that, that concerns was, me more. Like if, if but, but think about what happened. What happened? Okay, they they gave up seventy points. How was that third quarter for the? Uh, well, they Sox? scored fifty. <laughs> Devin well, Booker outscored 50, the Clippers. Yes. Did you say, think about that. 50 I, to I, 24. I'm trying to remember, when is the last time I've seen a team score 50 points in a quarter? Can I, my memory's so bad though, Mason. I, I'm mean, sure Golden State has done it at some point, but I can't um, think of a time off the top of my head. 50 points. I thought it was a typo. It's a 200-point pace. <laughs> it's, the Suns came out in that third quarter, and it was led, make no mistake, by bad man himself, Devin Booker. It was was led by Devin Booker holding the tip of the spear in his hand. It was led by him, but they came out in that third quarter and said, no, 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 no. this isn't going to happen. Okay, so that's the urgency that I wanted to see in the first quarter. This is why I think the Suns need to develop this killer instinct. And I know we'll talk about it a little bit more, but to me, that's what they need to develop, a killer instinct. And this, if you know what I mean. Finish him? Is that what you're saying? Of course. Yeah, yeah. I they, just they, didn't want to say listen it to right the Mortal Kombat guy, but obviously we're Booker be had. It at some point. Uh, here's, here's Booker uh, after the game talking about the importance, obviously, of playing to the final whistle. You know, it's a roller coaster, a lot of up and down. Um, like you said, one bad minute, you know, they hit four threes. That's 12 points to change it to a four to two point game. And, um, you know, I think it's a good lesson for us moving forward. You know, don't don't play with your food. Finish out as strong as you can and, you know, just keep playing all the way to the to the whistle blows. It's good advice. Don't play with your food. Okay, you see that right there? He, he just acknowledged it. He just acknowledged it. This, don't play with your food. Play play to the whistle. And he did it in the book kind of smoldering way right there, right? It very understated. He just acknowledged. Oh, you know, we we kind of that's what we did. There are times where Booker sounds like a grandfather when he was like nineteen. You know what I mean? Where he's like, "Hey, don't play with your food." Yeah, let's get this back on track. But, All right. but again, you you had two forces working here in this series, base owning. So you had the desperation of the Clippers, the desperation. No, we don't have Kawhi Leonard. No Paul George. No chance. Oh yeah, watch this. Okay, so you had the desperation of the Clippers, and then you had the expectation of the Phoenix Suns, where everybody in the world knew that the Phoenix Suns were going to beat the Clippers. The, the only question was, how many games? How many games? Unless you're Kendrick Perkins. And then Perk, even then, thought Kawhi Leonard was going to play, of course. Uh, so he had yeah. no idea. 
of knowing that. Yeah, it's well, tough. It's tough to make predictions in the playoffs, and then a guy gets hurt, and it's yes. like, "Oh, you were wrong." Well, who got hurt? Exactly, <laughs> that matters. So you had the desperation, and then the expectation, and the expectation is like playing your little brother in one-on-one out in the driveway, where you, you know you're going to beat him. It's just when and how. But also, I don't think the Suns were win- were losing this series. Whether Kawhi played or not, now it probably would have gone deeper. But I, and we'll get more into this. But I, I, Booker's hitting another gear. I do wonder if some of this is fueled by how poorly last year ended. And I don't think they've really had to. I was telling Aaron before the show. It's like in case of emergency, break glass with Kevin Durant. Yeah. Like if we have to go to him, <laughs> we'll just this guy standing over in the corner that quietly has thirty-one points. Yeah. If we have to go to him, we will. So I, I think the Suns would have won this series anyway, but it, it couldn't you. have worked out a whole lot better because they got it done in five, but they had to work for it too. I'm, I'm totally with you on this right here because again, it it would have moved, it would have changed, it would have focused the Phoenix Suns. I believe this. It would have focused them even more. If you had Kawhi Leonard and Paul George playing, now all of a sudden, okay, well, this is going to be tough now. You, you, the the intensity would have been there. You wouldn't have had to try to manufacture that intensity. It would have been there. Yeah. The one thing I will say is if they had Kawhi and Paul George and they like started the series with a win, that because it's so early in the development of this Suns team as a team, that would have made things interesting. You know, like if you're down 2-0 going to L.A. and they have Kawhi. But again, I, I'm going to take the team that has Devin Booker and Kevin Durant right now, and I assume they're just getting better as, as, uh, as we go. We come back. We'll talk to one of the players on the team. Bismack Biombo joins us next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Wolf and Luke talk Suns Clippers now. You know, we had this conversation going into the game yesterday, Wolf, about the Suns bench potentially seeing a little bit of a, of a rotation established there. Josh Okoge played 33 minutes. So he, yeah. he continues. And I think now... I shouldn't say that. We'll have to see how how Monty feels about the the matchup with Denver. But remember, Kogi was starting a lot towards the end of the season. Then he goes to into sort of uh, it wasn't even a six man role at the start of the series. He was just kind of on the bench. But he he really kind of carved out to that role of he, he played sixteen minutes more than Tory Craig last night. Tory Craig played seventeen. Akogi had uh, thirty three minutes, scored eleven points. But the other guy on that uh, the bench that has been a big part of this, Bismack Biombo, played twelve minutes last night. Nearly had a double double. <laughs> like yes. You have a guy come in and, yeah, you know, eight points, three blocks, eight rebounds, a couple assists. Yeah, what, how long did he play? Like, you know, 25, 30 minutes? No, he played 12 minutes and he Love did all watching that. Him play. And uh, not only did he do that, he's joining us right now in the Arizona Sports Line. So this worked out pretty well. Uh, joining us right now is Bismack Biombo. Bismack, thank you for the time, man. How are you doing today? I'm great, thanks. How are you doing? Absolutely. We're doing good, Biz. Um, Lovely. Let's. Uh, I guess let's just start last night, winning at home, closing out the Clippers. What uh, What made that Clippers team so tough, as it turned out? Um, one, I think they're well coached. Obviously, they have great players, um, and some of their players, have, you know, some of them did not play well early on on those games. And and last night, I think a lot of them show up and and they really play well. But you know. In the NBA in general, close, closing a team or winning a series is not the easiest thing to do. 
because everybody make it to the playoff for, for a reason. You know, I think we kind of seen that with what's happening between Memphis and um, the Lakers and uh, and Miami and, and Milwaukee. Because every it, it's almost like we we all starting a new season zero zero. And uh, and honestly, I thought we all did a good job. You know, uh, we followed the you know coach's game plan and, and then kind of stick with it throughout the, uh, the game. I think at some point we're down. 10, uh, but just being able to, to be patient and understanding that is, you know, it was going to be hard to close them. Um, so, but overall, I think our execution um, probably down the stretch when they cut it down to three was great. Um, now it's just a matter of correcting all the little mistakes because uh, Denver going to be a whole different fight that we're going to have to go in there with a different mindset, if not better than what we had versus the Clippers. Biz, I used to be a wedge buster. <laughs> that's what I did in the NFL. I used to run into 300-pounders for a living. That's what I did. I enjoy watching yeah. you play so much because of your intensity, because of your effort, because of how yeah. you go about your business. I love watching you play. Have you always been like that, brother? Oh, man, I appreciate it. Uh, you know, like, for me... One one question that I always like to ask myself at the end of the game is like, did I play as hard as did I give my team the best chance to win the game? You know, I think that's always been a big question for me. Uh, rather, things are going my way or not going my way, but being able to to say, come and look at yourself in the mirror and say, look, things was not going my way, but. I got out there and I played as hard as I could, and I gave the you know my team a better and my teammate a best chance to be in the best position to win a game, and that's all I can always ask for for myself. And for me, just getting out there and playing hard, you know, it's just basketball at the end of the day. You know, I mm-hmm. think you know in life there's a bigger problem than just playing basketball. I think we a few hours to focus on a game, you know. <laughs> Yeah. So, but I'm always like to play hard, man. It's, it's I guess it's, it's, it's who I am, you know, and that, yes. that represent me and my identity. We're talking to uh, Bismack Biombo. You know, Bismack, you, you joined the team basically mid-season last year, and you fit right in quickly. And I remember hearing Chris Paul talk about how how you know impressive it was that you fit in so quickly. When did you know this was going to be the right team for you, and and, and it was going to be a good fit? Uh, you know, when I was away from. From the game for a little bit, uh, once um, my dad's situation kind of happened, um, I was just looking for a team that won, wanted to win because at some point of your career, you get tired of just being in the league, you know. But we're going to make the playoffs. Maybe we might make it to the second round, you know. And those thoughts as a competitor, eventually, you know, you start questioning a lot of things. And for me, I didn't want to be in that position, you know, once. You know, I kind of lost. You know, I lost my dad. So um, the motivation to win something kind of continued to increase. And honestly, I didn't watch a lot of teams, and it was just like praying and and just following the guidance of God and and see where it was gonna lead me. Obviously, um, but and while a lot of teams were calling, actually, a lot of them were championship contender, but. Uh, I don't know, man. I was just drawn to Phoenix. I think I came down here for a visit. 
Uh, and the weather is nicer than a lot of places. <laughs> that help a lot. <laughs> yeah, there is. And, uh, and I, li- I live in Miami, you know, so the weather in Miami is great all the year round, and so so is Phoenix, you know. But uh, but you know, I I, I watch probably um, a second half of Phoenix playing Boston last year. I think this was right before. Christmas or after Christmas, actually, and uh, and I called my agent. I was like, "Yeah, this is gonna be the easiest, uh, I guess, place to fit in because of the way they play. They're not selfish, and they have a lot of veterans that understand their job and they can get it done. And that's kind of how I was drawn to finish, to be honest. And obviously, I've known and coach Monty for a while. You know." Um, I always wanted to play for him, honestly, and uh, and and knowing that James was um, a player, and, and I kind of understand players from a player perspective, and you can have real conversation, you know. Um, so that's that's really what drew me to Phoenix. But then you get here, you blend in right away, you know, like you've been here for a while. It was just great to fit in, man. That's why, it's, you know. Phoenix is kind of that organization where even when you see all this, you know, when the trades happen, when other guys come in, they can fit right in because that's the culture they have developed here. And you got to give them a lot of credit for doing that. So, Biz, um, when I was a player, they didn't give me the ball much, if you know what I mean, okay? I was <laughs> I was blocking for yeah. everybody else. They weren't giving me the ball very much. Right. When I see you shoot free throws, I wonder why you struggle at the free throw line. Do you think it's more physical or is it more mental? Not even that. You know, uh, last year I shot a great percentage. Earlier in the season, this season, uh, a lot of people don't know this, but I fell on my wrist. It was the game against Boston. If you go back and watch, it was a drive, I think, towards the end of the fourth quarter. Um, I went for block shot, and I landed on my wrist completely. Mm-hmm. Um, we played, uh, I think after that, we were going to New Orleans. I didn't want to sit out um, just to say, you know, my wrist is bothering me. Um, but I keep playing on it, honestly. Uh and then we started moving it probably like a month ago, and then it was improving. And the more improvement the wrist was making, you know, but I guess the self-confidence in the wrist was getting back. But one thing about me also is that I don't like to sit just to sit. If I can't get out there and compete, I'll get out there and compete, man. Um, one of the things that's I That's who I am. That's not going to change and no matter when I struggle or not struggling. If I can, if I have a slight chance of getting out there and compete, I'll do that by any means. Talking to Bismack Biombo, Bismack, I got to ask you about your teammates' game last night, Devin Booker. When 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 he has a game like that, what is it like for the rest of you guys on the team? I mean, you got to capitalize on you know um, those type of games. You know, when a guy get out there and play that way, you have to win the game. You know, and obviously yesterday. You know, for me, to be quite frank, I think our defense would give up a lot of points in the first half and in the second half. is It's too high of a scoring game to be a playoff game. I mean, we almost reached 140, um, and and this is the playoff we're talking about. So uh, that shows you that, uh, one, um, Book was amazing, but two, when you go back and look at it, being such a high score. 
Uh, and it's a lot of film we all got to watch to correct a lot of mistakes. But when Oak shows up that way and play that way, we have to capitalize on those. And I think this year there's only one time we didn't do that was maybe against Sac in Sacramento. Mm-hmm. But he had like 40, 40 some points and we end up losing, I think, by two or three, something like that. Um, and Book has been playing amazing this whole series. And honestly, we're going to need him to be that consistent and and having the help of KD and having the help of CP and DA and everybody around him is going to be very helpful for us moving forward. Viz, really appreciate you as a person, as a player as well. The way you go about your business, uh, it's the right way to do it. And I love watching you play. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Biz Mac. No, appreciate you guys. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Good luck against Denver. That's uh, that's Bismack Biombo joining us right there on the Arizona Sports Line. But we're gonna have to react to some of that stuff too, because I-, I liked what he said. When you have a player going off like Devin Booker, you have to win you the have game. To win you the can't game. you can't waste that effort. Uh, great stuff there by Bismack. And again, eight points, eight rebounds, three blocks last night, stepping in off the bench. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at six twenty six twenty right now. When we come back, campaign was back last night. Didn't play a lot of minutes, though. Why? We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, thanks to Bismack Biombo for joining us last segment. A lot of good stuff in there, and I'm sure we'll get some uh, some time to react to it later on in the show. You can certainly go back and listen to the podcast version of it as well. Um, campaign, though, Wolf, what was your number? 22 minutes yesterday? Yeah. He I did think not. It, was, it was higher than that, It was actually. 25. I was just trying to help yeah, you out. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he got three. He played three, and I don't know how much we need to read into that because it was his first game back. Or, you know, does it go back into the conversation that we've been having of how much does Monty Williams right now see him as how big of a piece of the puzzle does he see him as? Yeah, there's there's no doubt in my mind that Monty does not look at campaign as a real player right now in these NBA playoffs. Yeah, that's and, the way it looks to me. Well, and, and you know, I mean, how do you win that back? Right. If you're not playing and they've they found other ways, it, it's not like Chris Paul had to bring the ball up the floor a ton last night. And it's like we're going to have to play campaign out of necessity because <laughs> they're finding other ways to do that. I don't know. It, it, some of it, I think, was just the simple fact that it was his first game in these playoffs. And it's tough to get thrown into the fire in game five. And the Clippers are desperate and the Suns are trying to close it out. And you're just trying to play your first game in a few weeks. But he wasn't playing a lot of minutes before he got hurt either. No, he wasn't. And that's the reason why, again, um, I, I don't think Monty Williams is looking at campaign as a real player, no pun intended at all. I don't think he's looking at him that way, a guy that is going to get a lot of minutes going forward. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. But just the fact he got in at the 441 mark of the second quarter, that was his first yeah. appearance. That surprised me. All right, we're going to switch gears now to baseball. Mike Hazen's going to join us shortly, but first, we got some D-backs on deck. Arizona Sports, the home of Arizona Diamondbacks baseball. We're checking in on the Diamondbacks as they warm up for the game's first pitch. D-backs on deck, brought to you by Sonic Drive-In. Drive into your nearest Sonic location for the Super Sonic Double Stack Cheeseburger. 
for a limited time only at Sonic and by 72 sold. 72 sold. Get a higher price for your home. Yeah, D-backs taking on the Royals today. The third and final meeting between these two in the series. D-backs won the first one on Monday. Royals won last night 5-4. to four. Both games 5-4 finals. So the rubber match at 12-40 at Chase Field. And the pitching matchup, Wolf. Okay, Ryan Yarborough out there for the, uh, the Royals. Zach Gallen out Zach there Gallen. for the D-backs. Okay, so you feel good about that, right? Especially well, knowing that it's the rubber game. Here it is. He's doing Zach Gallen things again. He is doing Zach Gallen things again and looks unbelievable in the process. His last three starts, he's pitched 20 and two-thirds innings. He's allowed seven hits total. Not per game, total. Yeah. And uh, zero runs. And he's also <laughs> struck out 29. That's what Zach Allen does, right? Oh, I'm sorry, he walked one guy once. Looks like, yeah, okay, games. so he came out, and I think we'd all agree in his first couple starts, so looked a little up and down right there. Looked like, you know, maybe they're they're still in the process of stretching him out a little bit, and then he just kind of shut it down and looked like Zach Gallen all over again, man. It's very encouraging. So great to have him out there, obviously, on, on the mound for the D-backs. And those three games, too. I mean, yes, one of them is Miami. Miami was giving the D-backs problems, though. But Milwaukee and San Diego, San Diego in particular, that's a pretty good lineup to just go out there and be like, yeah, I'm going to give you two hits over seven innings. I'm going to strike out 11. I'm not going to walk anybody. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's the best way to deal with the uh, new rules, just not even allow anybody to get on base. Uh, let's get to the injury report. It's brought to you by the Arizona Department of Health Services. The first step to help is three numbers away. Call, text, or chat 988 to access the suicide and crisis lifeline. Uh, nothing crazy as far as injuries, but we didn't get to talk about this yesterday with everything going on. Jake McCarthy optioned down to Reno, and we'll obviously ask Mike Hazen about that when he joins us next segment. But that's a guy that was was kind of leading the charge in the second half of last season. Yes, I love this. I, yeah, I'm sorry right now. I think this is going to be the best thing for this young guy that is still developing. Um, it's a great reminder. I, I know that it seems harsh to say that, that you have to go through this process, but I do believe this is a great reminder. This is going to be a great reset button for Jake McCarthy, and it's only going to make him better in the long run. Yeah, I remember asking Hazen about him last year year and and talking through the context of you know everybody talked about Alec Thomas when he was going to come up and obviously Corbin Carroll and at the time they still had Dalton Varsho and Hazen said yeah that's great but we do have high expectations for Jake McCarthy we took him pretty high and they did and McCarthy was was great last year but he has really struggled this year he's hitting 143 with one home run and uh, three RBI so you certainly hope you're getting him back on track uh, let's get to the keys to the game listen man I need you to be the key master I am the key master. Arizona Sports, the home of Arizona Diamondbacks baseball. D-backs keys to the game. Driven by trucks only, the Valley's number one independent dealer and home of the lifetime engine warranty. Well, I tell you, the keys get a lot easier when Zach Gallon's on the mound pitching the way he is. So... I'm going to go ahead and assume another really strong six or seven innings. Okay. But obviously, as a team, go out there and, and don't assume anything. If you can get him a couple of runs to work with early in the game, that makes him that much more dangerous, too. Yeah, I would say um, hit the ball. That's number one. But <laughs> my, on, biggest, my biggest key to the game right now is field your position. Field your position. You got Zach Allen on the mound. You field your position right now. No errors. 
no problems. This That's a great point. This really is one of those games where, and I know you always say this, just do your job. But specifically in this game, it shouldn't be hard to, to focus on that because chances are if you do your individual job when Zach Gallon's pitching, you're going to win the game. Chances are. So that's that's a pretty good spot to be in. Let's, uh, let's take a look at the standings. They are presented by Desert Wholesale Diamond. Desert Wholesale Diamond honored to be a part of your big life moments for over 32 years. The D-backs are in second place now, a half game back of the Dodgers who are starting to catch fire. But at 13 and 12, the D-backs in second. Uh, the Padres are a game behind them. The Giants are a game behind the Padres. And Wolf, I know this makes you happy. Colorado is in last at 8 and 17. That's right. Hang in there, guys. Hang in there. <laughs> Just keep your head up right now. Square the jaw. Keep your head up. Hang in there, Rockies. Uh, I've got the lineup, not the Rockies lineup, but the D-backs lineup here for today as well. Cattell Marte is leading off, Emmanuel Rivera, Lourdes Gurriel, Christian Walker's batting fourth, Evan Longoria DHing fifth, Corbin Carroll, Nick Ahmed, Alec Thomas, and Jose Herrera is uh, batting ninth and catching for Zach Gallon today. So that's the lineup that they will run out there as they try to stay above 500 and try and win another series early on in this season. And uh, to get some more insight on that, you know, Wolf, you and I could just talk about it, or we yeah. could talk to the general manager. Of the team. Oh, that's so much better. And uh, Mike Hazen will join us next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. You've been listening to D-Backs on Deck. Brought to you by Sonic Drive-In. Drive into your nearest Sonic location for the Super Sonic Double Stack Cheeseburger. For a limited time only at Sonic. And by 72 Sold. 72 Sold. Get a higher price for your home. The home of Arizona Diamondbacks baseball. Arizona sports, the local sports leader. Diamondbacks front office focus with Wolf and Luke. D-backs taking on the Royals here in about an hour, trying to get back into first place. Catch the Dodgers again, just a half game back. And joining us right now on the Arizona sports line is their general manager, Mike Hazen. Mike, thank you for the time. How are you doing? Hey, guys. Good. How you doing, Mike? Mike, um, we're about what are we? Twenty five games in right now. So I'm sure we've asked you a version of this question before. But um, when when is the sample size big enough where you can start to draw some conclusions out of what you've seen? Yeah, I, I mean we're getting there. I think in the next twenty to twenty five games, probably usually by June first, okay. um, is is a is a good marker for us when we get about sixty days into the season. Um, but but we're starting to see some things. I think that we feel like are real. I think um, some of the improvements we made on the infield defense, I think, are real. Um, you know, I think that, you know, from an offensive standpoint, I think we're hitting the ball pretty well. I think we need to continue to push uh, ways to score outside of hitting the ball. I think that's been some of the gaps from a, from from the games offensively. And then the starting pitching has gone through some ro- some rocky times here um, that. We know there's some youth there. We know we were going to kind of go through some ups and downs. Uh, we'll get that sorted out. Those guys will kind of hit their rhythm. That's an area that we need to continue to we need to continue to improve upon. We've been we've been we have a decent amount of come from behind wins, which is great. You like to see that in the team. I also feel like playing from behind all the time is going to is going to eventually catch up to you. So those are some of the things that I think we're looking at right now. So, Mike, the first 23 games, as we know, very, very difficult right there. You finished 12-11 and 11 in those games. Would you have taken that if I told you that's what your record was going to be before the season started? 
I would have taken that. Yes. Like if you if you if you put a gun to my head and told me like this is this is going to be you know you got to make a choice right now. Yes, I would have taken that. I think the way we played was um, pretty solid. Um, we played tough. We played really good defense. Um, we threw the ball. I thought fairly well. Obviously, there's a few games in there that you want to have back, but. You go through a season, that always happens to you. It's hard to say, you know, you, you just reverse some of those games and you could have been sitting in a much better place. This is not how the game works. Um, but it is what it is. You know, we, we need to, and I think this is going to be, this is the challenge for good teams. And this is the challenge of the Major League Baseball team. It's not a football season, right? We have five and a half more months to go, right. a little less than five and a half months to go. We, we need to continue to play well. And it doesn't really matter what the schedule is. There's no easy games on our schedule where we sit on paper. Every game is a tough game for us. Um, we need to rise up and play well in all of those games. And regardless of who we're playing or where we're playing, um, and I think we're still we're still searching for some of that consistency. We're talking to uh, D-backs general manager Mike Hazen. Mike, uh, we talked to you about this a couple weeks ago, Luis Gonzalez as well, and you both had a very similar answer of the one guy I'm not worried about is Zach Gallen, and he has gone three straight starts without giving up a run again. So how do you as a team, you know, obviously you want to rely on that, but how do you not get so dependent on him on, on just assuming he's never going to give up a run and just be perfect all the time? Yeah, I, yeah. Uh, well, I want to become dependent on him. We want to be dependent on him. Uh, it's a good place to be for us on a day that he pitches. Yeah, I think what, I think the question you're getting at is, you know, we need to continue to show up offensively when he's pitching. Um, and that, because sometimes you can get into that. We, we've seen that happen before where, you know, you kind of feel like, hey, you know, he's going to go out and do his thing. And we, we still need to go out there and create separation offensively on those days. And, and we'll do that. And then, and then underneath that, yeah, we need those other four days to mirror that stability. Um, probably three, given what Merrill obviously can do um, when, when, when he's right. So, so those other three days are you know, critically important for us um, to have that level of stability. And for the last six or seven days, we haven't had that. We've made some moves. Uh, we're going to have to make more and, and to cre- create some of that. But we're going to get there. These guys have good stuff. And I think as you – from a de- either a delivery standpoint or 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 an exec- just a pitch execution standpoint, those are things that we have some control over. And so, with with improvement there, I think we'll see things uh, move in the right direction. Mike, you guys sent down Jake McCarthy. Um, why'd you send him down? What do you want him to work on? Yeah, uh, that, that, those. those from where we stood at the very beginning of the season, what he did for us in the second half, those, those are tough decisions. Um, we just felt like we had to get him going. Um, we felt like we were giving it time. We pushed ourselves to give it more time. You know, we were challenging some of that stuff internally about what <clears throat> what the right thing to do was. Um, and we just got to a point where we felt like we needed to kind of get him off the treadmill and get him reset and then have him come back up here. Obviously, if nobody remembers this, but we did that twice last year to him, and he came back better both times. I'm very confident that's going to happen. He's a dynamic player, but but he's a better hitter than what he's shown. Um, clearly what he can do on the bases and defensively, but he's a better hitter. It, we saw that in the second half of last year. We're going to need that bat uh, along with those other skills to be the team that we want to be, and, and we just felt like this was the right move at the right time. Talking to D-backs general manager uh, Mike Hayes and Mike, you, you talked about the young rotation, and one of those tough decisions was obviously moving on from Madison Bumgarner. H- how much of of the fact that you were going to have a young rotation? How much did that weigh into that decision? 
Um, not, 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 you know, not a lot. Look, we just got to a point where we made that decision. You know, we spent a lot of hours over the last three years trying to get that in going in the right direction. And, you know, the, the, I, I, you know, the coaching staff and, and, and the, the guys down there, the amount of time and effort and resources they poured into trying to get that. I mean, ultimately I have to take responsibility for all this. It's on, it's on me. Um, and it wasn't a decision that we took lightly. Uh, you know, there was a lot of debate and discussion into it. Losing a veteran starting pitcher, especially this early in the season, isn't something you necessarily sign up to do or want to do. Uh, but now we made that decision, and, and there's no looking back on those decisions. And we need these young guys to kind of step up. You know, we hear a lot from young players. They just want opportunity, right? Uh, when we send them down at the end of spring training or we option them at some point in time during the season, it's just – what is it? Well, we just want opportunity. Well, now there's a lot of opportunity, and that opportunity is going to create some growth within that group. There's going to be competition within that group, and there's a lot of talent within that group. And so I think that's going to be a good environment to build the backside of our rotation as we go forward. Mike, have teams adjusted to Corbin Carroll? And if so, why isn't it working? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes, teams have adjusted to Corbin Carroll. You know, we've seen it in little little pieces to it. They're, they're going after him. I, sometimes I wonder if the part of that adjustment is to stay away from him for right now. Um, and that's not a good place for us to be because we want teams challenging him. And so part of that, part of that calculus for, to, to require teams to challenge the middle of our lineup, Walk and, and, and Corbin and, and Cattell and those, and those other guys, is everybody within that lineup is contributing in a way that forces the opposition to go and attack. Um, look, he's gonna. There's gonna be little things they figure out about him. There's gonna be little things that he figures out back. He's a really dynamic player. I think the move to the three hole was a great move by Tory. I think the timing of it was a good, good move. Our offense has improved since that's happened. I don't think that's a coincidence. Um, and and he brings so much to our team. Um, and we're, we're excited to, to watch him go play every day. And, and I think, you know, the energy and the speed and the excitement that he brings to the table is part of what we want to we wanna multiply mm-hmm. um, to create the most dynamic team we can. Well, we've gone through most of that young outfield, so i, I got to ask you about Alec Thomas. I know season-long his hitting numbers don't look great, but over the last week he has his first two home runs of the year. He's had a few, few games in there with hits. Are, are you seeing signs of him turning a corner at the plate? Yeah, look with young with the young hitters specifically, it's a it's a it's a it's a it's kind of like watching the stock market, you know, kind of it goes up and down, and nobody wants that volatility, you know. Everybody wants to see guys just make continual improvement. It just doesn't always work that way. It is a tough league. As much as we talked about, has the league gone on to attack Corbin Carroll? They're attacking Alec Thomas too. He's now getting a certain amount of at bats under his belt, where the book is known on him as well. Uh, I, yes, I am very encouraged by a couple things. One, prior to this happening, he was still hitting the ball extremely hard, uh, one of the top in our entire team. So th- that's a good, at least a good marker for for where things could fall. He was getting a little unlucky first. Don't blame it on him, Luck. But there was some some of that. 
And now those things are starting to fall, and a couple of those balls are going out of the ballpark. Um, you know, what he can do for our team. We need all these guys to perform at a level to take our team where collectively where we need to be. We're not going to be reliant on two or three players on this team. It's just not going to happen this year. It's probably not going to happen moving forward. We need to have the deepest, most consistent um, team that we can possibly field to get where we need to go. Mike, how big a surprise is Geraldo Perdomo to you? Because I, I, I got to tell you, he, he just looks like he has developed so much, especially his hitting right now. Is this a surprise to you? Yeah, I, I think the challenge with Perdomo is we all forget about how young he is. Uh, listen to me making excuses when I talk about not making excuses. I, I, I do think for young position players, you know, at 21, 22 years old, there's not a lot of those guys playing every day or close to every day in the major league level. Um, he is, he was a good offensive player in the minor leagues. He had an incredible knowledge of the strike zone. He just, you know, we always knew he was going to get a little stronger. He's gotten a little stronger now. I think that's helped him mechanically. Mm. And then he has a, Great eye at the plate. He's always had that. That's that's a good marker for us when we're looking at minor league hitters. That we like to see guys that have the ability to control the zone there, knowing that in time they'll have the ability to do that up here. And he's done that for us. So, you know, he it's one of the benefits if you're in a better lineup when you're hitting at the bottom of it, that pitchers are forced to go after you. And he's he's been the beneficiary of that. And um, he is making some adjustments to where when they come after him, he's, he's making them pay a little bit. Um, again, along with Thomas, along with McCarthy, Carroll, you know, Perdomo, like that group needs to work together to be the best offense we can be. Mike, we always appreciate your honesty. Thank, man. Thank, Thank you, you for Mike. the time. Good luck today. All right, guys. Talk to you. That's uh, d general manager Mike Hazen right there. Again, he just gives us so much in a 10-minute interview with some of these guys. Love the guy. uh, With what you can expect with Jake McCarthy and even Alec Thomas starting to turn a corner. And you're right, Perdomo's hitting 365 right now. Nobody even talks about him. Nobody even don't. Everybody just just wrote him off as a hitter last year. Watch him, and he's just so good at the dish. Coming up next, we're going to take you through the top stories of the day with Wolf and Down Your Lunch. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.